0: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hangout Talks. Today, we got Jay Thomas, Bitcoin and crypto trader. He has over seven years of experience and he's finishing up his first book titled, Digital Greed, giving an inside look on how Jay became a successful trader and sharing how you also could become a trader in the digital world. You know what? Without further ado, let's welcome, Jeff. How are you?
1: Hey, Tret. thank you for the awesome introduction. And thank you very much for the invitation to be on your podcast. This is awesome.
2: Hey Jeff, you know, glad glad to reach back out to you and reconnect with you. Cause we've known each other since uh, college, right? Like we started freshman year together. We played pool in the community lounge. I think that's when we first met and you, you hustled me several times. I, I still remember every time you just sunk that eight ball, right, not the eight ball, but all the balls, then the eight ball, right until I'm like damn this is so calculated i'm pretty sure you everyone was like jeff you know calculated every bit to get to get those you were so good at pool i mean we like hung that out was awesome. yeah it was awesome and we hung out at the community lounge at regis a lot as well oh you we were still in college but we haven't seen each other since until i posted about climbing you know i think about one or two weeks ago and then you reached out like, "Hey, I'm down to climb anytime." We reached out, we climbed, and we reconnected.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, freshman year of college, playing pool. Well, I'll always remember that. I think, I think a lot of us just sat in that commuter lounge hours every day. Yeah, and just played pool. So that was that was a a pretty
2: fun time. Oh, uh, it was funny because we just. A lot of people didn't realize that it was our hangout spot, so we would be around, and people were like, "Hey, you guys want to play pool?" We we're like, "Sure!" And we would just hustle them, and they're yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah," and they're like, "Man, like you guys got hustled by these guys, and like you guys play a like, lot, like we play every day." <laughs> oh but, yeah. um, good times, good times. It was amazing times, though. But like, it was great catching up with you, Jeff. I it was interesting to like hear that you went to work for a while, but then you started to go more into Kind of like that Bitcoin cryptocurrency and stuff. Can you talk a little bit more about your background and how you got to that point?
1: Yeah. So I I am a full-time trader right now, mostly with Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies. I didn't I've actually been trading for a very long time. My initial time where I learned to trade was actually all the way back in seventh and eighth grade and going into high school. And that experience was through not the stock market or cryptocurrency because like Bitcoin hadn't been invented yet. It was through online games like MMORPGs where there's millions of players playing online. There's in-game economies in these games. And I don't wanna mention which game it was but one of these games I was super addicted to in high school and started actually in eighth grade. But I played this game quite a bit And the thing I did mostly in this game was trading. The economy was huge in that game. A lot of people were trading with each other. There were were like pump and dump groups almost where a lot of people get together, manipulate the prices for one item. It was kind of a crazy market. So I decided, well, I'm going to try to predict what other people are going to manipulate up and trade and try to have to analyze all these different items, all these different things. And I ended up doing pretty well by doing that so often. And I just kind of got on the sense of trading.
2: That's awesome. That's very cool. You know, it's from a very like humble start and all the way to what, what, what do you do now? And I remember you did mention you traded all the way through college as well.
1: Yeah, so when, so in that online game, that game was extremely restricted because everyone would try to sell their in game items for actual money or they'd use their actual money to buy the in game items. And at the time, I think I looked up the global industry for people buying and selling virtual items and games was somewhere between like five and $10 billion. So from that point, I was kind of getting this notion of virtual items having value. So then right around the time I started college, maybe sophomore year is when I heard about Bitcoin. And back then, Bitcoin was really the only cryptocurrency. But a lot of the complaints against Bitcoin was that it's a purely virtual digital item. Why would it have any value at all? And my perspective from the game is, well, everyone's buying and selling the stuff for actual money. So why can't something like Bitcoin have value? So for me, it was a really natural process from that, my experience trading in the game to trading cryptocurrency. and like, well, it seems so natural to me. So I
0: started doing that. No, that's crazy how it started that way uh, from a game, from somebody that, you know, when they you refer to a game, they're Oh, that's just entertainment. That's just stuff you do outside of work and whatnot. But it, it is cool to hear that it got you like an idea of the hustle, right? Like uh Peter and I sold candy bars, so, stuff like that into like a business standpoint. But yours came from just playing those games like, hey, how can I this is cool. Let me see what I can do with these and then start building from there. Now go into Bitcoin, which is huge now in the last few years. Um, I've got into it in 2017. Uh, very small, of course, very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I was like, yeah, that was the, the hesitation there. Right. Like, uh, everybody's saying these bad things about it, but there's like a certain percentage where it was like, this could be big. This could be big. And, um, I know you mentioned earlier that you did have a full-time job and that you're like, Hey, Bitcoin is, and cryptocurrencies is where I want to do and want to want to be. And could, could you tell us a little bit more like what you were doing before?
1: yeah so in college i studied i studied math and economics and a little bit of physics and i was i've always as you can tell i've always been a really competitive person with the trading and the game with the pool with studying now trades, so i've always been super competitive so when i graduated yeah, college that's for sure i'm like yeah hustling <laughs> like peter over there. <laughs> you hustled
2: me every every time You're like boom boom uh, boom and then when you would i beat you like probably three or four times and every three or four times like, we're playing that again we're going again <laughs> <laughs> Oh man!
1: hey we, we, we all got really good though we all got really true. good
2: it was very good. true it was good so but sorry jeff what you were saying
1: so so basically i've always been really competitive for better or for worse but when i graduated college i didn't really have too much of a direction of what i wanted to do like i studied all these things but didn't really put too much effort into figuring out exactly what I wanted to do. Now I had done well at trading in college. Cryptocurrency did extremely good in 2013, which was my, the last half of junior year and first half of senior year, did pretty good in cryptocurrency. But with trading, it's very hard to figure out how much of it's because of luck and how much of it is from skill and how much of it's repeatable. So in the back of my mind, maybe I can just keep trading, but, I wanted to be safe. And the safe path was finding a normal career. And it took me a while to find one. I think I applied for um, probably six months before I got an internship. And then after that, I got a job programming for slot. I I did all the math behind slot machines and anything you would find in a casino. And that was a programming job, which I got that I didn't get that until about a year after college. So it took me a while to find that first job.
0: Now you mentioned that. And the, what were the challenges? Like, cause I know there was some challenging cause you're kind of balancing, like I'm doing well on this, but let me go with the safe side. Like wh- what were those challenges? And then wh- what was that Mark when you're like, you know, I'm just going to go full-time in trading.
1: So once, so once I did get the full-time programming job, I thought, well, this is okay. I'll, I'll work the 40 hours a week, come into the office every day, do do as much as I can. Um, I, I I kept, like I'd watch the cryptocurrency markets all the time, of course. But th- at that point, the market was kind of depressed. It wasn't really moving. The price wasn't moving that much. So there weren't that many opportunities to trade. So I'm like, well, maybe I can just stay at this job, just learn it, get promoted, start, just kind of have like a normal job. But As time went on, I realized that it was very, there's so many like things like time cards and you had to be there exactly at 9 a.m every day and all these rules and micromanaging and just that type of stuff. And it just kind of wore me down more and more and more until I just really, really did not like it anymore after about a year of doing that. So at that point, I was still watching cryptocurrency, of course, And it was trending back up and at a certain point in late 2016, when I think Bitcoin crossed, because in 2013 it peaked at around $1,200 per Bitcoin, then it crashed back to around $140 in the minimum and then it rose back up like $600 or $700 per coin at the end of 2016. I'm like, okay, this is now looking really good. There's probably going to be a lot of trading opportunities what if I just quit this job and tried to trade full-time? I was also planning on, my other thing I wanted to do was a bunch of travel. Like I'd always wanted to be one of those people that traveled the world for a year, saw a bunch of different things. So I kind of wanted to combine those two. I'm like, well, this is like the perfect opportunity to do so, so why don't I do it? The challenge with that though, was very little support from anyone really. I, I do not think my parents supported that decision at all. I think almost every one of my friends I mentioned this to thought I was crazy or I was just, I I don't know what they thought I was doing, but I just know I needed some sort of a change. So I decided to quit that job. I think that was September, October of 2016. And that was ended up being perfect timing for twenty seventeen trading cryptocurrency. I could put all my time and effort onto that. As well as I tried to travel too, but the trading that year was crazy. So I mostly just traded that year.
2: Oh wow. That's that's really insane. Look like, at just to be able to define that like middle ground, like, okay, it's time to quit. Then especially with all that feedback from the folks, if you're telling them like, hey, I'm st- quitting my job to build my own business or start trading full-time not a lot of you don't get a lot of that support and plus on top of that you're like hey i'm gonna travel across the world go explore yeah i wherever i end up i end up you know and then people are like we'll freak out like what about your health like what's going on like how are you gonna survive how are you gonna eat where are you gonna live so it's that security that scares everybody right so And speaking of travel, once 2016 hit, moving on to kind of 2017, like what kind of took like from there, like it was really shaky. Were you able to travel after 2017 or like how did like that kind of shift you to the lifestyle that you have?
1: So immediately, like once I quit that job, the first thing I did was I went to Thailand for a month to travel. I had a friend from the climbing gym that was from Thailand and moved back and invited me on a climbing trip. It was actually in Laos at a place called Green Climbers Home, which was awesome. So I went there, hung out there for a week, um, hung out, did some other traveling in Thailand and then came back. And that was just, I I needed a mental break from the job. I knew I was going to get into trading, but I still needed the market to to go a little bit higher. A lot of times with, especially Bitcoin trading, it's when Bitcoin hits a new record high is the important point because that's when all the media comes in, the news starts coming in and then people join it and then it becomes a lot easier to trade or at least a better time frame to trade. But it wasn't quite at that point yet. So I knew I had at least a month I could travel and I needed a mental break from that job because we, I think at that job, we had a 30 minute lunch and towards the end of that job, I would, I'd perp- I'd have to leave the office to get a lunch because I couldn't really stand staying in the office the entire day. I needed some sort of break. And on the way back to the office every day, there was a lake. And I, then I started to stop at that lake and like walk around once every day. I'm like, well, I I, I really don't want to go back yet. I'm just going to walk around this lake once. And then after a couple of weeks, I'm like, you know, I have I would walk around it twice now. And after that, I was like, I'm just going to, so my lunches got longer and longer and longer and at one point i'm like you know i can't do this anymore and i think after lunch i just got back one day and like all right i went into my manager's office and put in my two weeks notice i'm like okay this feels really good so that's that's how that ended and like i was not in a good mental state at that point so i'm like i need to go on some sort of a trip right away i I quit to trade, but also to travel. And I think right now is the optimal time to travel. So
0: that's what I did for the first month. 30-minute lunch, I I can't imagine. Like uh, You had to either pack your lunch and you better shove it down real quick and then go on to your next task out of that. And I I never seen, seen 30 minutes as a, you know, sufficient enough for you to Get a break. This part of it for having a break, too, as well. Can't even
2: like enjoy the food. You're just literally just scoffing it down you're
0: done. And okay. uh, yeah, and that and other positions, other jobs. I know there's like a tick, tick 10, tick 10 minutes. What am I going to do with 10 minutes? <laughs> just, uh, I'm going to stand here for a minute. Okay, cool time. And then walk back. Is it, that tough part? And man, yeah, yeah, you, you hit that spot where you're like, I'm just going to keep, I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to travel. And as far as traveling wise, and what are some of your spots that you would recommend for climbers or non-climbers to as well for, that you have visited? So for climbing, the, the Green Climbers home that I mentioned, which is in Laos, is an
1: awesome place. Um, there's also a place in, let's see, in Thailand called, it's called Tanzai Bay, but the climbing area is right next to that. You're basically climbing right along the beach, which is awesome. Um, for non-climbing, I've I've done some surfing in Costa Rica. That's awesome. Um, Tamarindo is a nice beach town where you can surf. Uh, Manuel Antonio in Costa Rica is nice. Portugal is awesome because everyone's super friendly. I like Barcelona. So there's quite a few places I've liked, which which have all turned out really well. And of course, trying to also did doing a little bit of trading during that too. So trading during like the evenings or or afternoons and then doing funner stuff like in the evenings or the days kind of made sense
2: no that's really cool and then you mentioned early like a month ago you traveled to thailand right a couple months ago i think we, we talked about that you did you were you stuck in um the southeast during the pandemic and you stayed there for a while or
1: I was, I was lucky in, in that I didn't get stuck, although okay. maybe it would have turned out funner. No, I, I did. I have one of my sisters studies in New Zealand. So I visited okay. her and then I went to Thailand for a couple of weeks and then came back. So that was, that was my most recent trip right okay. before the pandemic. And I was, when I was leaving for that trip, worried that I would end up getting stuck somewhere in the world. But fortunately that didn't happen.
2: Oh, okay. That's good. Okay, that makes more sense. Though, yeah, yeah, I think you told me something about it, but I, I remembered you getting stuck somewhere, or you stayed in Thailand for for a while. somewhere. I was
1: I was worried that I would get stuck,
2: but oh, okay.
1: I I was climbing, so if I did, it, it would have turned out okay anyway.
2: Yeah. I think. Nice. I think. Nice. And then i um, speaking of um, speaking of trading, also, what what are your tips on? On trading, like what resources would you say are like the best way to stay informed while you're like trading? Because a lot of times people want to step back, and they recommend that that you're not going to look at the stocks or like all the time. Like you should look away, like step away. Like what are but the best resources to stay informed? But you know, keep a daily normal life as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So there is a. Fairly big debate amongst investors and traders, like how much should I be watching the markets? How much should I not watch it? A lot of people, and for most people, it's. Keep in mind, I'm not a financial advisor, so don't. So none of this is like
0: actual financial advice. I kind of have to say, (laughs) no, no, no. That's great. That's great that you put get get that disclaimer out. We all, you know, the legality of it, (laughs) everything. Yeah.
1: So so nothing. So nothing I say should be financial advice or trading advice. So that's the disclaimer. But there is a debate on like how active you should be as an investor. A lot of people think that it's extremely hard to do any research that's meaningful because there's all these Wall Street professionals that will always beat you no matter what. So there might not be any chance, there might not be any reason to even do that. You should just buy like safe stuff and just leave it in there and not monitor it at all. But for some people like me who try to actively trade, we do have to watch the markets quite a bit. And that could be political things, that could be just news within the industry. So regulations on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is extremely important to me lately. Um, There's been a a few things, some countries have banned cryptocurrency, some countries kind of waver on like how legal it should be. So if it's a major country like China, then that's important news for me because that does have ramifications on the market here. So we have to keep up with that type of news. Um, specifically for cryptocurrency, I need to figure out kind of the technicals behind or the fundamentals behind each coin that I'm trading. So like, why are people buying this coin? How is it different from the rest? Um, how can any other coins overtake it and then also kind of media reactions so if something major happens in cryptocurrency how is the media portraying it are they right and are they wrong but ultimately how is that going to affect current traders and prospective people that might enter the market and trade so there's a lot of research that i do that isn't so i'm not specifically always sitting around like buying and selling stuff A lot of my work is just keeping up with all this news and watching, trying to determine how that will affect the market rather than just sitting there and trading
0: constantly. No, that's a great point that you talked about. Like you spent, well, not all your time, but like most of the time is on research. You wanna understand how the news affects certain things. And that's a really great point because I'm still beating myself up by listening to one analyst and I sold all of my other stocks were just different realm, of course, but I sold my stocks because listening to these, all these analysts. And then the next day it went, it skyrocketed back up. I was, I was beating myself up on it. Cause I was just like, dude, like, so moral story of that is like the news don't just pick one and how Jeff just went over and like, you had to look at it. You had to examine it. You can't just like, oh, okay, cool. It's got to go back down based on a couple of reviews or a couple of articles. Um, and then I know since you've been in this for so long, like what are the common myths about cryptocurrency that you've heard and, and what's your response to some of those?
1: Uh, one of the, I'd say one of the most common ones is that something purely virtual can't be worth anything because you can always, you can infinitely duplicate it however much you want, or there's no tangible value behind it. Uh, there, f- from my experience, there is, like with Bitcoin, a lot of people use it as a currency, buying and selling stuff. In like the last couple of years, though, a lot of people are viewing Bitcoin more as a digital store of wealth, similar to something like gold. It is limited supply. Um, you can't double spend it, which means you can't spend the same coin twice, and this is all very secure on the network. So a lot of people buy it as a hedge against well, maybe your, your country is going through hyperinflation like Venezuela or maybe Argentina or something. And someone just wants to hold something that's not going to lose value. And they can store something like Bitcoin on their computer or on a piece of paper. And that's something they own that only they can access. And so that idea is pretty powerful for some people. And going back to when I, there's online games, the gaming industry, where people do value value just virtual items so I think there's people kind of discredit cryptocurrency right off because it's purely virtual and I think that's a mistake the other one is that it's a lot of people write it off because it's extremely volatile which is true Um, a lot of times bitcoin or another cryptocurrency will crash 20 30 percent in a day rebound but a lot of people have learned to deal with this primarily because you don't want to put too much of your money into it this isn't like your entire life savings it's fine for a little bit for most most people could be fine with a little bit of their money into something like that and then just not worry about the volatility you kind of keep that in your mind to begin with and you kind of get used to it so that's it it does make it trickier and it makes the trading kind of nerve-wracking on some days when you really don't know like it could go up 10% or down 10% in the next few hours and you really don't know, but you're trying to protect yourself and make money at the same time. So that's from a trading perspective, that's difficult. And then the other, another misconception is that there's like no use cases for any of this, for any of these currencies, but my argument against that is there's coins like Ethereum, which you can write smart contracts onto the coin and basically These contracts can do a lot of things decentralized, like such as banking. Like you can get a loan through one of these basically decentralized contracts where no one's really running them, but you can still do finance on them in a way that for the most part works. And there's no one, there's no middleman. So there are new use cases coming up like every day at this point, the industry is just exploding. And so there's more and more use cases. And I think more people will see value soon
2: no that's that's really good that you mentioned that like would you say like all of the myths and the controversies that you hear kind of motivate you to continue doing bitcoin or like is it something that you did in the past that continues to motivate you since it is a 24 7 thing and i'm pretty sure there are days you're like why am i doing this
1: yeah so there is some aspect of motivation where if so many people are constantly telling you you're going to fail at something or it's not going to work, or it's stupid, and it's whatever, there is a very powerful motivation that I'm just going to prove everyone wrong. And I'm going to keep doing this and trade as best as I can. And just there is that motivation, there's just wanting to do it well, just just because so many people don't believe in it. So I, I have felt that a few times. Some of it's Yeah, it, it does get stressful, though. So there's some times where you, you do question your sanity. Sometimes you question why you're doing it, but um, the times where it works really well, or you actually see a cryptocurrency that is doing something really innovative and you're like, okay, this is actually really cool. And I can get behind this. And yeah, to be part of that. It's, it's really awesome.
0: You brought up a good point. Like, you know, the ups and downs and volatility aside, like I know, Looking at um, Bitcoin, I think it will drop within one hour and then the next hour will go back up. So those are the ups and downs. And on top of like, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, you you do question yourself, like, am I supposed to be doing this? Is this the right path for me? And and we, our listeners and us, we totally get what you're saying. And um, personally, like, how do you deal with that? Uh, I guess it's a two-part because volatility with uh, cryptocurrency and then just career-wise for you, So trading is definitely stressful because
1: one month you could make a lot of money and then you could have an entire month where you make no money or you lose money. So at that point, you definitely question yourself. But as a trader, specifically as a trader, you have to realize that your income is not going to be steady. There's too many traders that try to to begin and they think, well, I'm just going to make like this amount every month. And when I get to that number, I'll just stop trading for the rest of the month. But I, I want to hit that and it'll kind of be steady. But that's that's unrealistic because the months you do good, you don't want to really cap your gains. You don't want to say, well, I'm going to make like, let's say, four thousand a month. You can't just say, well, I'm going to make four thousand dollars this month and then just stop. Now, if, if you're having a good month, you, you want to just do as well as you can that month. That could be a lot more than four thousand just because maybe the next month you don't make as much or you don't see any opportunities. It's like you have to strike while the iron's hot, so you can make profit that will last you for the times it's not doing very well. And I think just going in with the mindset that the income is not going to be steady and get comfortable with that idea is how you can be successful as a trader.
2: That's very true. And then, because I see a lot of people kind of jump into it. Like you said, they'll cap it off. Like, Okay, I'll make sure I stay at five. For example, five thousand every single time. If they don't see that five K, they freak out and they start selling like crazy. They start kind of trying to pull out so they remain at that five thousand. Would you say that's a really bad thing to do, or you should say if you're you're below five thousand, just keep going, just let it sit, and then it'll come come back up or go even higher. What would you say?
1: There's a lot of like psychological biases that work against people who are especially very new to trading. So one of those is like setting just some arbitrary profit target and doing anything in your power to hit that. That's not always the best because it it lends to over-trading in which you kind of feel like you have to be trading. And if you feel like you have to be trading, you start making bad trades and then You end up losing money. And then oftentimes when a new trader starts losing money, they start making bigger trades or riskier trades to kind of come back from that. And then they lose even more. And so that's kind of, that's in poker, I think that's called like tilt. Like you start doing bad and then you just do really, really bad after that because you just kind of Uh throw in the towel. Like I'm gonna take this huge risky trade to make back everything plus my profit. And then it goes against you and then you're out. So there's a lot of psychological things like that, which it's very hard for a new trader to get used to.
0: Speaking of, like how long did it take you to get the balance of or get the hang of trading?
1: So for me, within playing those online games, probably two to three years before I was really confident in that. And then especially with cryptocurrency too, but they're kind of, they're similar in a way for me, but. I would say at least two or three years to have a good feeling for knowing what you're doing trading. The first couple of years, you can trade with a little bit of money and not really care about the profits and losses, but just just make getting the education to kind of know your own emotions and how you react to the market and figuring out your own strategy. You can't go in and try to make a bunch of money right away. You can, but any profit will just be luck and you're not really learning that much right away oh,
0: that's a great advice honestly because i know some traders will jump in and i'm like hey i'm gonna make money right away because i see it's so high i'm gonna come in make some money and leave and point is like it, everything takes time like you mentioned and i know balancing too because i know you went from a nine to five clocking in at a certain time and getting out and then now like with a uh, trader what does your typical day look like and how do you balance these things? Because uh, I'm always curious, both Peter and I are curious, because when you have your own business, sometimes it's hard to turn off uh, or you're doing your own thing on your own time. It's hard to turn off. Yeah, that's right. It's extremely hard to turn off. So back
1: in 2017 or 2016, when I quit that job and then went traveling for a bit and came back for the first couple months, I think I was like reading news articles and watching markets upwards of like 80 to almost a hundred hours a week at some point. Like I was nervous. Like, I'm like, I have to make this work. Otherwise I'm going to have to spend another six months finding another job. So it's like, I, I really, really have to make this work. So I guess kind of that nervous anxiety just made me basically 80 to hundred hours a week. I'd watch everything. Like I wanted to know every bit of information I could possibly get. So it was very hard to turn off. Um, but for me now at least, when I am in a position like that, and like I'll go travel or rock climbing is actually the, the main thing now for me. Like if I have a good set schedule rock climbing that gives me times where I'm not thinking about trading kind of gets me on some sort of a schedule there, especially because cryptocurrency is 24-7. There's no just no stopping point. So I would say like having some sort of a schedule, whether it's like something outside of trading like rock climbing, or just giving yourself like a defined hours, like don't do any research after like seven o'clock at night or five o'clock, whatever you want it to be. And then maybe waking up every day at whatever time you wake up and then doing research for like an hour or two, and then doing something else for a little bit, just trying to contain, because businesses can take up as much time as you want. And sometimes it's a lot too much.
2: Yeah, speaking of like balance and stuff like, like, well, it seems like you've balanced everything out really well. And to give any time to write a book as well, And as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you're writing a book now called um, Digital Greed. Can you tell everybody a little bit more about that book?
1: Sure. So Digital Greed, it kind of started out as just me trying to write down the history of my trading more just so that I could go back and not forget what kind of my journey was from knowing basically nothing about trading to making a full-time living off of it. So it started out as just something for me to read. And then as I kept going on, I'm like, well, this would actually probably help other people, maybe not necessarily my exact strategies because some of them can't, I mean, some of them were from years ago where you can't really replicate them now. But just the thought process of how to figure, figuring some stuff out, the thought process of the transition into a trader. And it's basically my whole history of trading from when I first started in that game through 2017, when I quit the job and then kind of made it as a, as a trader through 2017. So I, that was, that was the motivation for the book. And I'm, I'm hoping people get something kind of just just kind of see how a trader kind of thinks rather than just what you see online it's just like oh some someone made this huge bet on this stock and it they made a bunch of money or lost a bunch of money
0: no my my, my books hopefully just the entire journey I think that's really cool that you are talking about that part you, you know like the on social media is like hey I'm a crypto trader I drive a two hundred thousand dollar car I, I make x amount per day i'm living like this uh and it's great to hear from humble beginnings to how you became where you are right now and what you're doing right now and i think that's way more interesting and is way more appealing and relatable than just hey i i started with zero now i'm driving a lambo which there's no nothing in between it was like what happened in between did you just one day put all the money down and here's a lambo for you (laughs) so um and it's great to like How is, I'm curious, how is that book writing process? So when I started
1: writing the book, I just, I kind of just wanted to get some ideas down on paper. So I didn't really, I wasn't really editing it myself right away. I was just kind of writing as much as I could just get all my thoughts down on paper, not even in the right order. Like some days I'd write a piece that was like just completely out of order. And then I went back through, kind of figured out how the the correct order. And then, then I did a lot of editing, like multiple rounds of editing, got some other people to look at it. So it's a long process, but I think most people get stuck up on like trying to make it perfect as they go. And I found that if you can just get all your thoughts down on paper first and then go back and kind of make it better afterwards, then it, then it
0: makes it a lot easier. Love that you brought up um, some people just trying to make it perfect because it, it, it's when you try to make it perfect, you just don't do anything. I, I guess you don't even publish it. You don't get any of that thoughts rolling. It it kind of just hinders the process. Um, so I love that you brought it up that way because sometimes we we want to be perfect and do all this, but that was, that's cool. No, we're, we're excited to read it. We're excited to just I'm excited for you to like, Hey, what kind of pictures could I put in the front? I don't know if you uh, came up or decided on what you got to put on the front. Is it going to be like your whole face kind of thing? Or is it like. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. No, I I went with like a G like it's a, it's a cool
1: geometric design that kind of represents just kind of the craziness that is trading. I mean, it kind of looks a little bit crazy and then there's like, some like cryptocurrency symbols throughout that pattern. So I I did hire a book cover designer, and I think it looks really good. Um, but yeah, you you talked about perfectionism a little bit, and that's something I have always struggled with. Trying not to be what well, I've tried to be perfect too much, like in schooling and with everything. So I was worried when I was sat down to write this book that I was going to spend all my time like trying to figure out like, I'd write like one chapter and then go back and try to figure out everything wrong with it. And like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm just going to write it all. I'm going to purposefully not try to be perfect. And I think that also extends into my trading in that in trading, it's, it's almost, it's something where a lot of perfectionists, I think, try or go into trading, but it's also something where you kind of give yourself a break because you know you can't be perfect. It's like one of those places where no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to make money on every single trade. So you can kind of forgive yourself a little bit and you know you're not going to be perfect. If you watch the market and you make only, let's say there's a hundred different opportunities that go by and you just sit and wait for just just the one that you think is the best and you go with that one and make some money off of it, that's good. You can be happy, even though you only hit like one of those opportunities out of a hundred, you still made money and that's good. And you can kind of not dwell on not being perfect. So that, that idea of perfectionism is, it's hard to get around for someone that's always been trying to be so perfect. But in some cases I've, in the last couple of years, I've really tried to tell myself, you don't always have to be perfect. And it'll it'll be good. I think that's a very good mindset to take to get away from the perfectionism.
2: Yeah, no, it's very true. Because I, I know I fall into that, that trap a couple of times. Like I'm always trying to, you know, we always try to like look perfect. So the people around us can kind of see that and like, we don't want to look as if we're, we're not doing anything, but we are we are doing something or we're screwing up or something like that. And it's that competitive side as well. We want to Keep ourselves on our toes like okay we're doing this right it's like confirming ourselves but it's really it's okay if you know to do something wrong or doing something not right like i write you know stuff as well i write poetry and sometimes like people like it doesn't rhyme well poetry doesn't have to rhyme it doesn't have to be perfectly rhyming from like beginning all the way to the end it gets tiring if you're you pretty much become like a dr seuss and no one understands what the heck you're trying to say or communicate your life just becomes a mess so that's a yeah. really good point
1: yeah and i've noticed the same thing with it's especially if you tell someone that you make a living trading cryptocurrency i mean their their first thoughts are probably not not that good they probably they probably think all sorts of things like he probably doesn't really know what he's doing he's probably just unemployed he's probably gonna lose a bunch of money so it's it's very hard for people to understand and going from someone who was such a perfectionist in school, getting straight A's, like trying being so good and then going into like a normal job and then kind of throwing all of that away and then, well, now I'm I'm a self-employed cryptocurrency trader. Everyone's like, what is that? What are you what are you doing? Why why would anyone ever do that? It's kind of <laughs> it kind of is the opposite. Like you went from one extreme of perfectionism, like doing your best, like and then to the complete opposite where no one really understands what you're doing at all
2: yeah they're like how are that you was surviving. Kind of a call. yeah they're probably like how are you surviving how are you paying for rent how's food like how is it possible that you're alive right now kind of kind of
0: thing yeah and you have to be doing well to you know be and you're sitting here talking to us you know like if you would have not successful i i don't think I, I don't i don't know i don't know where you be doing but it was more I, so like, I don't either <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it's it's crazy like uh when you you know when you go against the grain and I we do this we do that and uh, there's certain misconception of course and I guess what are you would you say to somebody that who do support your work and for people who does not support your work
1: well for the people that do support it I basically just want to say thank you for trying to understand um, they're, they're probably also interested, at least a little bit in like finance and that type of stuff. So they kind of get kind of the, the gist of it, which is awesome. I think that's awesome. And maybe they want to become a trader, which I think is awesome. Trading is, it's very freeing in that you don't have a boss I and mean, you can travel while you do it. There's not all these like metrics you have to follow. So it is very freeing. And it, if, if you do it right, it can be good. But I mean, at the same time, it is very challenging. So hopefully they would also respect that it does take a very long time and a lot of knowledge to become a good trader. So that's what I'd say the people who kind of support it. Um, for the people that don't, I mean, I, I think a lot of it's just misunderstanding of what I do, um, especially with cryptocurrency trading, there's no barrier of entry to become a cryptocurrency trader. You, you can send like a few hundred dollars to an exchange and start trading and the next day be like, oh, I'm a cryptocurrency trader. So it kind of, it, 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 it in some sense it's good because it was easy for me to join that. Like I didn't have to have like a license or anything to start trading, but it's also bad because it kind of devalues the people that have been doing it for so long and actually do make a decent living from it and have and do look at all the risks, all the benefits, that constant analysis, and actually do well at it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword with that regards. But for the people that don't understand,
0: I think they just, it's just kind of a misunderstanding, I think. No, you brought up a great point. It, It devalues it, right? Like certain people that, I know when that boom happened, everybody that put 10 bucks into cryptocurrency, they're like, oh, I'm a Crypto trader now I'm a I'm a investor like wow ten bucks or X amount of money you know like it's for us too like certain people will have consultant in their title but they're just in between jobs uh, certain things like that like you mentioned and it's it does devalue the name when we do this full time and this is what we love to do and it, it's hard now we're in this position where we had to kind of explain ourselves and fill people in more on what it truly is. And I guess before we even leave today, I, I, we always want, you know, last advice that you want to give somebody not last ever, but you know.
1: All right. I think calculated risk is very important. Step out of your comfort zone. I mean, if, if you want to quit a nine to five job, you definitely can, but you take a calculated risk. Don't just quit and just have no money and just go out into the world and be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing something. Um, risk, is, risk is important, but taking risk, you have to, to improve at anything really, you have to take risk, but it has to be calculated risk. And that's with trading, that's with life in general. Rock climbing is another good example where something that is seemingly very risky from the outside, but when you get into it and learn a bunch about it, you learn to mitigate all that risk. And then you do really well at it in a, in a safe way. So that's like trading. You can mitigate a lot of the risk, um, but I think that more people need or should be taking more calculated risks in life.
0: Boom! I think that's perfect. And it's always funny. Like, don't don't leave your job if you have nothing, nothing else <laughs> out there. <laughs> that's very True. Yeah. And how can people find you, uh, Jeff? So the, web, so the website
1: I sell my book on is digitalgreedbook.com and I have an email on that website that you can email me on. That's That would be the best way to get in contact with me.
0: Oh, perfect. And we're looking forward to having that book out. We can't wait because I kind of just dabble in cryptocurrency and I think Peter too as well and I think it would be great just to hear your story and you know how can we be better. Um, and while you check out jeff on digital greedbook.com i want to make sure i got that right okay. uh all that will be in the description too as well and when you listen to this podcast please hit that subscribe button and while you're there please leave us a feedback on hangout talks on all your podcast listening channels it definitely helps us learn what we can improve and what could we what guests we want to bring on next what you want to learn and of course we have all our links in the description and remember to follow us on instagram at hangout talks and if you want to reach out to us personally, mine is Mr. Good underscore all
2: Peter underscore the suited marketer.
0: And man, we're looking forward to hanging out with you all on the next episode. So after you listen to this, maybe you'll start investing, uh, but don't put that investor title in your Instagram description just yet. You know, kind of hold back on that. <laughs> Take your time calculated risk calculated yes. risk calculated <laughs> risk and jeff thank you so much for hanging out with us today thank you guys Dawson, thank you